A reading from the book of the prophet Isaiah. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me. He has sent me to bring glad tidings to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and release to the prisoners, to announce a year of favor from the Lord and a day of vindication by our God. I rejoice heartily in the Lord, and my God is the joy of my soul. For he has clothed me with a robe of salvation and wrapped me in the mantle of justice. Like a bridegroom adored with a diadem, like a bride bedecked with her jewels. As the earth brings forth its plants and a garden makes its growth spring up, so will the Lord God make justice and praise spring up before all the nations. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. My soul rejoices in my 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 God. My soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has looked upon his lowly servant. From this day, all generations will call me blessed. My soul rejoices in my God. My soul rejoices in my God. The Almighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. He has mercy on those who fear him in every generation. My soul rejoices in my God. My soul rejoices in my God. He has filled the hungry with good things. In the rich, he has sent away empty. He has come to the help of his servant Israel, for he has remembered his promise of mercy. My soul rejoices in my God. My soul rejoices in my God. A reading from the first letter of St. Paul to the Thessalonians. Brothers and sisters, rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In all circumstances, give thanks, for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophetic utterances. Test everything. Retain what is good. Refrain from every kind of evil. May the God of peace make you perfectly holy and may you entirely, spirit, soul, and body, be preserved blameless for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, 
and he will also accomplish it. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Glory to you, O Lord. A man named John was sent from God. He came for testimony, to testify to the light so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to testify to the light. And this is the testimony of John. When the Jews from Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to him to ask him, Who are you? He admitted, and did not deny it, but admitted, I am not the Christ. So they asked him, What are you then? Are you Elijah? And he said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He answered, No. So they said to him, Who are you so we can give an answer to those who sent us? What do you have to say for yourself? He said, I am the voice of one crying out in the desert, make straight the way of the Lord, as Isaiah the prophet said. Some Pharisees were also sent. They asked him, why then do you baptize if you are not the Christ or Elijah or the prophet? John answered them, I baptize with water, but there is one among you whom you do not recognize, the one who is coming after me, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to untie. This happened in Bethany across the Jordan where John was baptizing. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. For the only time in the liturgical year, uh, we are garbed in uh, pink vestments. And it reminds me of what Mark Twain once said, that man is the only animal who blushes and the only animal who needs to. And uh, some of us, uh, Pink is a rather understatement. It should be more like scarlet red, at least uh, for me anyway. But that for another day. This morning, the church holds up for us one of the towering figures of Advent 
and one of the towering figures whose shadow was cast over the entire church and the entire Christian life. Of course, it's John the Baptist. And that may sound like a rather strange choice because when we think of John, ba John the Baptist and we play a word association game, the words that often come to mind are strange, odd, a little off kilter, a kind of prototype of California. Um, I know, I lived there for seven years, trust me. Um, one strangely born, born of parents beyond the natural cycle. Elizabeth is barren, Zachariah is too old, and yet by the grace of God, John is conceived. We know that John was very active even in the womb. We're at the visitation of Mary, so active is he that Elizabeth uh, is provoked to say, at the sound of your voice, he was leaping in my womb. One of the first to hear the words of Mary about the gospel. His lifestyle was anything but conventional. He lived with a rather strange group of religious zealots. In today's parlance, we would say a bunch of religious fanatics called the Essenes. They lived out in the desert. His dress wasn't certainly Brooks Brothers, camel hair and a belt. His diet, though, would have made any Californian jealous, huh? uh, any vegan or Yutufu addicts, uh, grasshoppers and honey and various sorts of things like that. And yet I'd suggest to you this morning that the thing that makes John the Baptist strangest of all, especially to we contemporary folk, is that John the Baptist was so decentered, was so decentered. It was not himself, but his role was directed to another. And what is so strange about that in our self-absorbed, narcissistic, selfie mania society. That sounds incredibly strange. But people walk around even taking pictures of themselves. Think about that for a moment. You know, someone once asked me about selfies and Facebook and I said, well, when it comes to my face, I have no option, so why would I inflict that on poor others? Uh, who, want to, uh, who want to see this uh, puss, uh, I, I think not. But we live in this, in this age of enormous self-absorption. And what makes John so strange is that John knew his place. John knew his place. And that's very important in the spiritual life as well as in everyday life to no one's place so that you can bloom where God has planted you. 
So much discontent and so much unhappiness and restlessness is the result of wanting to bloom somewhere else rather than where you are. I'm going to bloom when I get the next promotion. I'm going to bloom when I get to that school. I'm going to bloom when I have that relationship. Very often what happens is you never get there and you shrivel and die where you're planted. Bloom where you're planted. Grow and develop there. And where God wants you, the roots will grow and be found there. But give what you have to give where you are. That's what John the Baptist did. John the Baptist is always being asked, is he someone other than himself? Are you the Messiah, the anointed, the promised one? Are you Elijah? Are you one of the prophets come back to life? No. No, I am not. I'm a voice crying in the wilderness. Prepare the way of the Lord. Prepare the way for the one who is to come. And by the way, I am not worthy to even tie and untie his sandals. He knew his place. It wasn't an embarrassment. It wasn't a lesser resume. But in God's great plan of salvation history, he played his part. And we are called to play our part. Now this is a crucial lesson for ourselves and also for the church. The great early saint, St. Ambrose, who was in many ways instrumental to the conversion of St. Augustine, he said, that the church is like the moon, and the moon casts no light of its own. It only reflects the light of the sun, not the S-U-N, but the S-O-N. And when the church tries to reflect the light apart from the sun, it grows dark indeed. But when it casts the light of the sun who is Christ, it shines ever bright. And so it is with us. We cast no light of our own, but we are called daily to cast the light who is Christ. And what a bright light it is where we're planted to cast the light who is Christ. The very essence, the very heart of the Christian life. Granted, out of step, out of tune. But to be a Christian, to be a disciple of Christ, is by its very nature to be a little bit odd, a little bit alienated. Because the Christian uh, doesn't fall for everything. 
the Christian's light is Christ. And we have to see the relationship this morning between the preaching of John the Baptist and the preaching of Jesus. John the Baptism says that I come baptizing you with water. It's a provisional baptism. Is it important? Oh, yes. Yes. Repent and reform your lives. What John is saying is that this baptism is the baptism of the law. It's the baptism of repentance. So that the kingdom of God may come. The central preaching of Jesus is repent and reform your lives for the kingdom of God is at hand. In other words, for John, repent and reform so that you can bring about the kingdom. For Jesus, repent and reform. And because the kingdom is here, you can repent and reform. You can live a new way. Jesus is not a repudiation of John. He is its fulfillment. And John says to, uh, Jesus says to each of us that you can come to me, all you who are labored and heavy burdened. Heavy burdened physically, mentally, economically, but above all, you can come to me spiritually. You who are heavy laden with sin, you who are heavy laden with a past that you can't quite get over, a past that keeps playing over and over and over again like a bad tape in your mind. Come to me, for my yoke is easy, my burden light and I will give you rest for your soul. For the heart and the arms of Jesus are wide. There are those who ask, is it too late to travel with the Holy Family to Bethlehem in this season? It is never too early and never too late. For all time is in God's hand. And for God, who is eternal, everything is now. It is never too late. If you have been late starting on the road to Bethlehem, please join the second and third line. If you are late to Bethlehem, remember right now the crib is empty. And there's always room for one more. There's room for me, there's room for you. For the crib is empty and it waits to be filled. Not merely with the Christ child that will occupy it, but with each and every one of us. 
So at this moment, as you're sitting here, and we're still making our way to Bethlehem, if you have been late arrivals, if you think the crib is too crowded, it can't possibly fit you, today is one of those grace moments in which you can join the journey and take your place in the crib because the crib is empty and it waits for me and you. In God's time, which is always now, now is the acceptable time. Now is the day of salvation. In this holy season of Advent, as these days wind down to a precious few, God waits as well. God keeps vigil. God keeps watchful and alert, waiting, waiting, and waiting to fill up the pilgrimage to Bethlehem, to fill up his crib when the angels proclaim, rejoice and praise, for to you is born a savior. For when we take our place in that crib in Bethlehem, it is not only the child that is born, but each and every one of us can be reborn anew. God waits for us. Pray God, we join the journey and we take our place beside the one who makes all things new. God bless you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.